0: Growth leaders are actively, proactively, systematically choosing growth, and that means that they're making sure that everyone in the organization, all the way from the executive team through the front line, know what the growth ambitions are, know how to measure success.
1: From McKinsey's Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice, I'm Sean Brown, and welcome to Inside the Strategy Room. That was Biljana Svetinovsky. A partner in our london office who leads our growth marketing and sales practice across the uk ireland and israel today in the first of our two-part series on growth we'll discuss what it means to choose growth and how to put it into practice and during our second podcast one of our growth leaders will discuss the concepts covered today with two executives from well-known high growth companies disney and nike joining biliana today are two of her co-authors of the recent mckinsey.com article Choosing to Grow, The Leader's Blueprint. We'll include a link to the article in the show notes. Eric Roth is a senior partner in our Stamford, Connecticut office. He's the former global leader of our innovation practice, and he focuses on helping clients grow through innovation. Jill Zucker is a senior partner and the former managing partner of our New York office. She co-leads our global growth transformation work. Jill, let's start with you. Given the current global context, with the continuing COVID pandemic layered on top of other global challenges like geopolitical conflicts and now soaring inflation, why should growth be high on the corporate agenda here and now?
2: Thank you, Sean. We like to start by saying no CEO, no business leader wakes up in the morning and says they don't want to grow. But after a number of conversations with leaders around the globe, We realize just how hard it is to achieve growth on a sustainable basis. And so what does it take? What have growth outperformers done over time to achieve growth? And what choices can you make, even in today's environment, to continue to grow? We have found that very few companies grow on a sustained basis, but growth really does matter. High-performing companies show more than 30% higher total shareholder return. Growth leaders generate 80% more shareholder value than peers over a decade-long period. And we all know that leading a growth company attracts talent, fosters innovation, and creates jobs. An additional five points of revenue growth per year brings an extra three to four points of shareholder return on average. And that's the equivalent to 30 or 40% of your stock price over a decade. And so setting the right ambition, choosing growth, Making deliberate choices on growth really does matter.
1: That sounds great, Jill. Thank you. Can you share a little bit more on your research and some of the findings that yielded?
2: You know, growth, as as I mentioned at the outset, is hard to achieve. We surveyed 4,000 companies and their annual return profile over more than a decade. What we found is 25% of companies just didn't grow, full stop. You know, 40% of companies grew revenue profitably. But only slightly less than 25% of companies outperform their peers by growing revenue faster than peers and were more profitable. You know, if we think about this from another vantage point, you know, what it really translates to is only one in seven companies grow more than 10% a year on a sustained basis. And if you look at that number over 30 years... It's only one in 10. And so making the choices, understanding the recipe is important to you know maintaining your growth. You don't want it to sneak up on you, that you're maybe not measuring the right thing or not thinking about what's happening in the external environment with others in your peer set.
1: Got it. And can you just clarify for our listeners how you define growth and how you measure it? Because in a high inflation environment, for example, it, it, it's quite easy to show revenue growth.
2: Yeah, we look at both revenue and uh, profitability growth, and that is why it's important to look relative to peers. We do really want to understand where is the difference. But as you advance over time and you set a trajectory of growing beyond your peers, the gap between performers and uh, you know non performers, if I can if I can call it that, the resilient and the non resilient, is very meaningful in terms of what you can deliver back to your shareholders and create an environment that fosters talent, that is you know, a source of innovation for the economy overall.
1: Understood. Well, let's dive into your research just a little bit more, but specifically now the growth blueprint mentioned in the title of your article. Biliana, can you just take us through an overview of the approach?
0: Thanks, Sean. It's great to be here. So we've had many business leaders ask us the question, how do we actually drive sustainable, inclusive, and profitable growth? And so we looked through extensive and expansive McKinsey research to understand what is it that growth leaders are doing differently. And we looked at thousands of companies, as Jill mentioned, across different markets, different sectors, different size organizations, and the results were quite striking. The first thing we found is that growth is a choice. It sounds really intuitive, but growth leaders are actively, proactively, systematically choosing growth. And that means that they're making sure that everyone in the organization, all the way from the executive team through the front line, know what the growth ambitions are, know how to measure success. But we also found that growth leaders were following a systematic growth blueprint, and it's comprised of three parts. The first is growth leaders are setting an aspirational mindset and culture. This is really about setting bold ambitions. It's not about incremental um, targets on revenue growth year on year or looking at competitors, but they're actually setting their own bold ambitions and they're rallying their leadership team around those ambitions to deliver on them. We find that growth leaders have a growth story that they tell all the time. They're telling it both internally to their employees, to their board, but they're also communicating it externally. So thinking about their future employees, they're thinking about the consumers, their investors. So they're telling this growth story consistently, coherently all the time. But they're not just talking. They're not giving lip service to growth. They're also making sure that it's their number one, number two, number three priority. And again, this is really about making sure everyone in the organization knows what the growth target is how it's measured, how success looks like for each and every person in the organization. We found that growth leaders are also very practical. They're not about perfection. And what we see oftentimes is a portfolio of growth bets. And some of those will fail, and that's okay. But we're also seeing a balancing between short-term and long-term ambitions. It's not about sacrificing the long-term growth in order to hit the short-term results. One of the final characteristics we saw with growth leaders is that they are also putting the consumer and customer at the core. So they're really making sure that the growth proposition is is front and center to what consumers really need, or even preempting what consumers and customers might need in the future. But if we take a step back from each of these individual characteristics, what we see is that any organizational growth leaders that are encompassing at least three out of these five characteristics, they're at least 2.5 times more likely. To outgrow their peers.
1: Thanks, Miljana. So setting, measuring, and communicating a high ambition. What else is in your growth blueprint?
0: The second part of this growth blueprint is around activating multiple growth pathways. This is not just about protecting and nurturing the core, which is really important for growth, but it's also about finding growth from more innovative places, and that's going in places where, you know, others in your sector have not gone before. We looked at over 3,000 publicly listed companies to understand where exactly was growth coming from, and we found that somewhere between 74% and 90% of growth is coming from the core, and that varied by industry and sector. But what we found is that companies and, and growth leaders that were focusing in on adjacencies, they were more likely to outpace the growth of their peers. And we also look forward about 10 years to understand where the revenues of these companies were coming from. We found that over 50% of revenues were coming from products, services, markets that these organizations weren't currently playing in. So even though there's real importance around driving growth from the core, we found that there was significant growth to come from uh, innovation. The last part of the growth blueprint, which is really around executing with excellence, And this is really about having the right operating model very tangibly. What we see growth leaders doing is that they're ring-fencing their growth resources. And we actually found that growth leaders also had more dynamic reallocation of their resources, so they could move resources to where the growth is in the organization. We also found this systematic, programmatic m and ecosystems and partnerships. So again, not about a one and done deal, but very much about thinking about how does an acquisition feed into that or provide a halo effect for growth. The final element around executing with excellence is really around doubling down on the right kinds of capabilities. We found that growth leaders were investing in capabilities like marketing, sales, strategy, digital analytics, R&D, innovation.
1: So high ambition, innovation, expansion into new areas. All of this sounds like it involves some trade-offs, though, and maybe some risk-taking. Eric, how do you help your clients encourage this risk-taking needed to drive growth? And how do you help them enable the whole organization to make the necessary trade-offs in support of it? Yeah, thank you, Sean. I think it's really important to understand that growth and the
3: choice of growth is heavily linked to a resource allocation decision. And what we often see is that while leaders might talk about growth, the desire to grow and the choice of growth doesn't link to the way the organization is set up to grow. And so, growth cannot be a side project on top of a hundred other things that you need to do every day if you want to actually encourage organizations to grow and make, if you actually want to make organizations grow, the risk-taking and the mindset have to be translated into strategic plans and operating plans that have people and money against those initiatives in a way that the organization as a whole in terms of its portfolio of things that it's working on have risk-adjusted where they're actually taking bets and making bets and where they're driving the core. And what companies that can't grow often find themselves stuck in is a cycle where they're resourcing the core for short-term results and talking about growth, net new growth, for longer term, more breakout initiatives. And yet, the, the actual resource allocation doesn't support it. And so the words and the actual resourcing plan don't match and that causes a cultural friction where then risk taking doesn't occur because everyone knows in the end of the day, rewards are set by delivering the core in the short term. So as we talk about choosing growth and the mindset that's associated with that choice, great leaders and outperformers need to translate that desired outcome, that aspiration into a resource allocation and operating plan
1: that matches. So do you mean that the management needs to be aligned on making growth a top priority and then back that up with the resources? There's a difference between alignment and commitment. Alignment is everyone
3: getting excited about the concept of growth. Commitment is it's everyone's job to grow. Everyone committed to dedicating their own time, resources, and funds to support growth is about the choice to grow. And so, if the commitment isn't there, you can have all the alignment in the world, but I've seen so many organizations where the executives are aligned, but they also believe it's someone else's job to get the growth done while they deal with more important things. And so, I would just offer that committing to grow and choosing to grow are very much the same, and you should in a
1: outperforming organization see it's everyone part of everyone's job. Thanks so much, Eric. So if a growth initiative doesn't pan out, what then? How do you prevent that lack of success from discouraging others from taking on bold growth projects? Do you celebrate the misses to encourage more risk-taking? What do you do
2: there? Taking a bet on growth, taking a risk on a new initiative shouldn't rest on the shoulders of one individual. If a leadership team, the CEO, all align that this is something they want to pursue, then the success and failure is, is that of the groups. And I find, you know, some organizations that operate in silos, each executive is measured purely on what they're doing, and particularly when you're doing innovation and growth. It needs to be the collective innovation of the group, even if one individual is responsible. And so you step back and say, was it really that person or was it just the idea, the market's reaction, and how do we reinvigorate that individual back into the core and let them try something else. And so I think, you know, you often take missteps, you advance things too long because lack of transparency, because a leader just hangs on too long when they don't feel like they have the support of the whole organization and the alignment of the leadership team.
1: Understood. So these days, many companies are investing in digital assets and capabilities to further boost their growth what role does attracting and developing talent, in particular digital talent, play in supporting and enabling companies in the realization of their growth ambitions? The number of times where we see organizations not
3: pursuing digital or a new growth initiative because they lack the capabilities of talent is is quite profound. Even, uh, you know, just just this morning, I was in a conversation with a company that literally said, we have an exciting portfolio, but we don't have the people or the capabilities to pursue it. So, the question back is, well, why are you not hiring them? What is preventing you if you have these exciting opportunities? If you think digital is absolutely critical to the future, future success of your organization and growth, why are you not hiring those people as quickly as you possibly can?
1: What's the barrier? Fair enough. Um, Do you ever see areas besides hiring that are important to enable your talent to support the growth agenda? How do you get employees, for example, excited about growth opportunities when many may already feel overwhelmed with their existing responsibilities? Most often
3: organizations have a lot of talent that is capable of incredible things, growth being one of them. And it's the operating model itself that an organization needs to think about. Is the operating model getting in the way of the growth aspirations, or is it unleashing that growth? Because chances are, if you're choosing growth, and maybe you have to do some work on making sure the pathways are in place and the execution can be measured appropriately, but I would like to believe, perhaps overly optimistically, that many companies have incredible talent, and they just need to point them in the right direction, and support them with the right resources and funds uh, and then measure
1: and and good things will happen. Viljana, Eric, Jill, thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you on the podcast today.
2: Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me.
1: And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us today. We'll share a link to our guest article, Choosing to Grow, The Leader's Blueprint, in the show notes. You can also find transcripts of our past podcasts on our Inside the Strategy Room podcast collection page at mckinsey.com ITSR, where you can easily explore our library of more than 120 previous episodes. If you'd like to share feedback or an idea for a future podcast, we encourage you to email us at any time at inside the strategy room at mckinsey.com. Finally, if you'd like to receive alerts on our latest insights, you can sign up on our podcast collection page on mckinsey.com/itsr. Follow us on Twitter at @mckstrategy or connect with us on LinkedIn on the McKinsey Strategy and Corporate Finance practice page. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to having you join us again soon inside the strategy room.